I'm at the ACCT uh, interviewing people for the podcast. Oh, yeah. I forgot you had that. Yeah, but uh, you're on the podcast. Cool. That's why, that's why you're on speaker, and I'm, he, he's talking to a former employee. Uh, Let's get some commentary. What do you think it's like? What do I think? This place that I'm at is like. What do I think the place you're at is like? <laughs> <laughs> Is it blue? Are the walls blue? Nah, no blue walls. I'm outside. Uh, are there umbrellas at the chairs chairs you're sitting at? No, tables? You at a ba- table? I'm at a table. But uh, <laughs> the guy I'm interviews over there. Uh, uh, there's, there's like 200 dogs here. It's ridiculous. Dogs? Yeah, there's so many goddamn dogs. <laughs> this guy's coming back. I'm going. See ya. Bye. Uh, my roommate called me because I told him I was thinking about adopting a cat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, wait. Oh. No, no, they were actually all oh, pretty they, fine with it. We, oh, have, nice. okay, we have a dog. But I'm not going to get a cat today okay. because... Uh, I'm going to get a cat before this comes out. I didn't get the cat yet. You're going to see me again. I'll be like, hey, is Vincent here? <laughs> okay, that's cool. I do want to get a cat really well, bad. Yeah, definitely. And, and you can always look on our website if you want to just kind of... Um... No, I'm an impulse shopper. Okay, I just want so to come. I, I'm, I'm so easy. I'm I, And I'm I'm the opposite of a millennial. I don't uh-huh. want to I don't go online. <laughs> just let me look at the cats. Just let me look at the cats. I'll point at one and I'll give you $40 and I'll fill out the forms. I'm real. I'm all. I'm very old fashioned. back to another episode of 2100. I am Jason Peters. The year is 2019 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the United States of America. And today, our topic is pets or domesticated animals. Mostly cats and dogs is our focus, if we're being honest. To all you weirdos with birds and lizards tuning in, you made the weird life choice, not me. I'm sorry for whoever hurt you. Besides this intro, I won't be saying much on this episode because I love, 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 love the audio from this interview. We cover all of our bases, and I swear to God, hang tight because at the end, it gets crazy. The man who I spoke to is an absolute delight. He showed me around his massive facility, and his name is... 
Vincent Medley. I am the executive director of Act Philly. Okay. Um, so what is Act Philly? Act Philly is the, um, it actually stands for the Animal Care and Control Team of Philadelphia. Um, and it is a nonprofit organization that um, has a contract with the city of Philadelphia to, um, to uh, provide um, animal control services for the residents of Philadelphia. And we also are um, a rescue organization that uh, get, brings in homeless animals and uh, rescues them out or adopts them out to, uh, f- to the public. Okay. Uh, could you show me around a little bit? Yes, yes I can. Okay, so. All right. So something to know about who I am and what I'm doing. I'm not like the most professional media outlet in the world. So I was very happy to be shown around uh, the Animal Control Center for Philadelphia and to be talking to the executive director. And I'm going to tell you a few things about this place. It's massive, absolutely huge. There's animals everywhere. He keeps describing the numbers in the hundreds, but it felt like there were thousands and thousands of animals and people doing medical work and just basic chaos. Uh, Just imagine there was a place with hundreds of animals, and then that is what it is like. Um, But they're essentially in what is kind of like a Sam's Club. It's about the size of a Sam's Club. It looks like on the inside, it's the same floors that a Sam's Club has, but it doesn't have all of the stuff that a Sam's Club has. And then, I it smells terrible. Utterly horrendous, which is not their fault. There is cat food, smells bad. Dog food, smells bad. Animals, smell bad. I'm not a big animal guy. But I, I walked away from this this interview with a great appreciation for what these people do. Because I genuinely could not ever do the things that these people do. And he's going to cover what exactly animal, tro- animal control does. And then uh, we're going to start to talk about the future. And trust me, there are nuggets of gold that this man, Vincent Medley, has for all of us. Just wait for it. That intake. Whoa. That is a, a smell. Well, and this is in the middle, and most of it is from the trash, because we, oh, okay. we, we, we turn over the trash, um, and uh, if, when this leaves, then the smell will be better, but there's more cats here, um, mm-hmm. and um, these are adult cats, and adult cats come in pretty much year-round. Okay. A smell will pop you right in your face. Yeah, it's a smell. You gotta appreciate getting the car rolling down the windows in the spring. <laughs> right, right. Oof. Alright, this will be my final interruption for at least the next 20 minutes of this episode. And I want to put some of what's going on into perspective for the people of 2100 because this podcast is for them after all. This podcast, or at least this interview, was recorded in the spring of 2018. In Pennsylvania in 2018, spring was a season. I don't know if you guys know much about seasons, but March, April, and May were the season spring in Philadelphia. Even though in in March it was kind of cold, and in May it's kind of hot, but those were, were supposed to be when the weather is its best before summer, which is the hot season. So, to each their own. Regardless, it was a beautiful day out, and at this point... I was uh, not in a great spot. I was working as an account executive selling radio advertisements and digital advertising 
for the most listened to radio station in Philadelphia, a job that was significantly more relevant in 1985 than it was in 2018, but it was a good job to have, and uh, it wasn't the best time of my life, but I learned a lot about a little, but still, it was a positive-ish experience, long-term positive, short-term Whatever. You know what? I'm not, regardless, I tell you about this because this is a job that I'm absolutely certain will not exist in the year 2100. And it involved calling strangers on the telephone and showing up at random businesses and trying to swindle people into buying in a, a borderline imaginary service. It also explains why I'm so chummy with Vincent Medley. I was in a really bad place and I was happy to be having a friendly conversation with a nice guy. We'll pick up where I'm explaining to him that I lived for three months in a hallway. And uh, when I lived in a hallway for three months, I uh, shared said hallway with my roommate's dog. And to put that into perspective for people of 2100, that is not something that other people are doing uh, in 2018. My life is just a disaster. I'm sure like 2%, 1% maybe of people have uh, just slept in a hallway. Whatever. Regardless, uh, pick back to me and Vincent. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I have good friends. I'll live in this hallway for, for until their lease is done, and then I'll move into the house with them. Yes. yes. But uh, when you live in a house, how are you, how are you doing? <laughs> well, when you live in a house with uh, no walls and there's a dog, yeah. It's also you getting wake, woken up. Every morning by the dog, the dog, it was, it was a circumstance. Oh, that's right. So me and this dog shared, me and this dog that was not my dog shared a bedroom for about about six months. And now uh, I still live with the dog, but I have a bedroom and I think it thinks it's my dog. But I, (laughs) yeah, he's like, this guy has been there for me. Through my heart of hearts, I do not like this dog. And the dog is oblivious to Yeah, and, like, oh, and me and the dog's owner have alternating schedules. He's a bartender, and uh-huh. I work a nine-to-five. Right. So right. when he's gone, I'm there. Okay. I think it thinks I'm that we're a gay couple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, then, but, then y'all share custody. But, but I do not like this dog, and it, and it whimpers, I saw, and, it, and I have to hang out with it. <laughs> because, you know, it'll because cry I, if it Yeah, I'm not a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> So I have to, I have to hang out with this dog I don't like. But if I could bring it here and let it run around, I mean, yeah, I mean, and is that an option? Do people could, could I bring a dog? Generally, no. But there are several dog parks in the city. Oh, that's that true. You could take um, a dog to because this is mainly reserved for the dogs we have in the shelter. And yeah, as also, it should be. You've got like three hundred dogs. I've got one dog. It well, doesn't make sense for me to bring my dog. Well, here. and if, if and yeah. it's not my dog, see. <laughs> He's he's already he's already got you. <laughs> he's already sold you in. I'm the beta. <laughs> but we also use this for um, for dog meat. So like for a family that wants to adopt a dog from us, if they already have one, we ask them to bring their dog up here so that to see if the dog that they're going to adopt and mm-hmm. their current dog get get along. Okay. Um, all right. Yeah, go, back, go back and let's head back in. Talk about the future a little bit. <laughs> No, but it seems like what you guys are doing is great. And it seems like it's an incredibly organized operation. Yeah, we, I mean... Because you've got some pretty serious stuff going on here from do, the surgery. Do. I didn't expect to see do- a dog getting prepped for surgery. Oh. Hey, Billy. Hey, yeah. oh, come on in, come on in. Thanks. Is this your office? Yes. Ah. 
So how long have you been uh, a part of this? Employed here or doing work like so this? Em, so employed here, it's, it's, I started in November of 2015, and I actually started in this uh, in the animal welfare industry in 1999. Okay. So it's been close to 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, what got you most interested in this work? That's a good question. Um, so I, um, I think what got me most interested is after I started. So when I started, it was, I, I started because I thought it would be a fun, adventurous job, like working with animals, um, seeing how they, um, but I, you know, I didn't grow up with animals. My grandparents had them, but we had a bunch of, my mom would always tell us, you know, all of you, you you're my pets. I have <laughs> nine of you, so y'all. <laughs> I, I take a similar standpoint. Right, I, right. Uh, I, I love pets. Right. But uh, there's so much work. <laughs> it ta- It's a lot of responsibility. If you have a bunch of kids to add pets on top of that, it depends on your situation. You have yes. to be doing really well in life. Right, right. And, and yeah, and you're right. And it's just, it's like my mom, you know, I mean, and, and a lot of parents have that concern. It's like. Okay, and my kid needs to be very responsible, and, we, and I agree with that. Um, in order to have a pet, but it, you know, it's something that most families can absorb. Is mm-hmm. just it just depends, and, and and we had allergies in our family and everything. Do you know what percentage of people have pets? What percentage of people have pets? I think the number is seventy. Seventy percent. The number actually in 2018 is 68%, which is a great guess by Vincent Medley. I don't know why I asked a question that I didn't know the answer to. Uh, It was very stupid on my part. Regardless, 85 million families have pets in the United States in 2018. Why do you think so? Uh, Why do I think that the number is 70? Why do you think think people get pets? Well, okay, so they are, um, I think... Pets provide unconditional love. I think that's the number one reason why people get pets. Um, and also, they are a very, you know, there's a lot of and there's a lot of great reasons to have a pet. Um, they keep people more active. Um, for the person that is single, it gives them some uh, source of always having a companion. Um, in families that have uh, that um, that want a pet. It, it's just that extra, uh, per, like, you know, a lot of families are very charitable. They want to give a homeless animal a place to live and know that, you know, they saved that animal. Um, I, have a, I, have a, I have a question for you. Yes. And it might, it might allow you to say something fun that you've been wanting to say for a while. <laughs> what would you say to someone that told you they spent $10,000 on a dog? $10,000. To, um, to to purchase a, a a dog, you could have got it got it from us for free for <laughs> and with about two to three hundred dollars worth of vet work. <laughs> yes, yeah, ten thousand um, dollars. Like the luxury dogs. What, yeah, the, what what is your idea as someone who works at a place like this and sees? There your are, main concern is health and the population. What do you think of things like the luxury dogs? You know, I I think. If you're talking like the designer dogs, we have designer dogs. They're just designed by nature. They're not designed by, oh, let's put these two different. I mean, there's so many um, different breeds that we have in the shelter that are mixed breeds that are that turn out to be beautiful, number one. Um, and then also, you know, somebody who's, who has that amount of resource, um, I just ask them, imagine the good that they could do um, 
by either donating or adopting from a from an open intake shelter like ours um, in the, the city of Philadelphia we have a shelter that you can be proud of because our our life saving rate is is high it's 83% for an open intake shelter with our budget that's almost an impossible number but we do it because we have so many partners and we have so many um, so it's, the public is so generous and and um, and welcoming to us but then at the same time um, we always need more people we need more donations uh, so yeah, I, I think people who are invested in designer dogs, we I just ask that they open up their hearts and their home to uh, a shelter dog, um, no matter if it came from us or not, because there's so many out there right now that are still in need of a home and make great great family members. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, no, I interrupted no, when I asked the original question. No, what got you into this line of work? So what what got me interested in it is that when I, when I started working um, in 1999, um, as I watched you know different, I watched my 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 coworkers. I wasn't that familiar with dogs. I had kind of a little bit of a fear of them to tell you I, the I truth. I admit I have some of that. Right, <laughs> and so and and the, what I identified was the reason why I had a fear was because I wasn't familiar with how they behaved, how they would react to certain things that I did. So. What I would do is, because I was working as a kennel worker, I would go, I would find the nicest dogs, and I would go in the cage with them, and be inside. Just you, it, there, and, the, and our our cages were about the same size. The ones in Dallas were the same about the same size as the um, the ones uh, that we have here, mm-hmm. and just kind of let them jump on me and get used to how they react to certain things. And eventually, what I was able to to, to see and learn is dog behavior and why they act a certain way that helped. So that, that, from that standpoint, um, that, that got me interested in, in, you know, and having the love for, for animals. And then, then what, what really pulled my interest, uh, that made this like solidified this as a career for me is being out in the field as an animal control officer and seeing the number of different circumstances that animals find themselves in. Like, you know, I've been down in creeks, I've been in attics, I've been, you know, just in all different backyards. I, when I first came in here, um, there was a man saying that he found this cat that's been in his, going in his garage. Yes. Yeah, I mean, and it's, you know, I almost, I feel like... Why not, why not just adopt that cat? It, you know, <laughs> it, sometimes it's better, it, it just depends, it, 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 it all is circumstance by circumstance, and some of that too is, one of the things we do when someone comes in is we do have that same conversation with them is, hey, you realize we could get the animal surgery, we could get you some food, would you be willing to take the cat back home? Um, and so a lot of times, and that because that's considered an outdoor cat, that's like one of those mm-hmm. cats that you saw in the trap back there. I, I'd be so, I, I grew up with indoor cats. Okay. They are 18 and 19 years old. Mm. <laughs> they are very. That's, that's that's pretty old. Yeah, they are the most coddled. They they haven't slowed down. They look the exact same as they did when they were six. Yeah. Uh, I remember. No, they, they're not eighteen. They well, eighteen and seventeen. Okay. I got them when I was in first grade. Right, right. So that's so, yeah, it's insanity. Um, but I I feel like I'd have anxiety with an outdoor cat. It, you do. Yeah, you worry um, about it and stuff. Uh, yeah. Oh no, that that's a hundred. I've had outdoor cats. In fact, I. I ran a colony for a while when I was in Texas, and uh, that got up to about sixty cats. And um, 
Yeah, it, it is anxiety, especially if I if I didn't see them for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. I would, but the reality is, is that most of the time they came back. Um, but then the other reality is, an outdoor cat has a shorter life than an mm-hmm. indoor cat, and 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 for a, a lot of them are a lot more a lot happier outside than inside too. Right. Yeah, I mean, like the indoor cats need to stay indoors. They they're not going to be happier outside. Yeah, they'll get eaten by a hawk in ten seconds. Right, 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 right. And those but, my cats are the most. Uh, they if they even saw a dog, they they'd be they just have a heart attack. Right, and pass away. Yeah, and 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 the ones that were born outside, a lot of them are so used to it. It's kind of mm-hmm. like second nature. Yes, and 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 it would be confining to keep them indoor. Yes, yes, and yeah, that's exactly right. Okay, so what is in the near future for Act Philly? So we have a lot in the near future. Um, we're always looking to expand our programs. Um, one of the things that we want to expand is a program that transports animals locally to different people and places, um, a program we call it the PetX program. And PetX is, so for instance, anywhere thing from, we've, we've, we talked earlier about microchips and getting your license tag, which every dog in the, in the city is required to have a license. That helps us identify who the dog belongs to, and we can call you as an owner and say your dog is here. Well, in the near future, it'll we'll, we're going to expand it to uh, we have the owner's address. Let's pet exit out to the person's house and say, "Hey, we the, your dog was dropped off at the shelter. Here it is." The reason why we would do that is because it increases our ability to, you know, that dog. Once we know that that dog or cat has a family then we can get that dog or cat out of here and make room for another dog or cat that is coming in off the streets that doesn't have identification. Um, So um, becoming more grassroots is also in the future for us, going into the community more and providing services in the uh, neighborhood where the problem exists. Um, And so bringing, uh, you know, uh, vaccination clinics and microchip clinics to the community that's that's part of our future um going forward what is um i'm trying to figure out how to ask this question what is um more likely in the future um do things look like you're the control of animals is getting more organized and easier or are things getting more difficult through time is your job harder now than it was before, or are things getting more organized and easier? You know, I it's I would have to say it, it's 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 never been easy, but it's getting easier. Um, so it, you feel progress in the, in in the community and the overall sense of what you're doing. I think so. I think the community has mobilized in a fantastic way around our shelter uh, because we are the city shelter, um, and we are you know it's like all roads lead through us. So we've had, we have over 200 partners that we work with. We are also a founding member of the Philadelphia No-Kill Coalition, ourselves, uh, the Philadelphia Animal Welfare Society, and the Pennsylvania um, Society for the Prevention of Cruelty to Animals, the PSPCA. We, we <coughs> the three executive directors um, organized to create the Philadelphia No-Kill Coalition. And that is uh, a gathering of um, of rescues and uh, shelters 
throughout our region, uh, generally in Philadelphia, but we, we have invited our whole region um, to come together to solve the problem of the animals that we still are killing in the shelters. Um, and uh, while our, our life-saving rate is over 80%, so far this year it's 87%, uh, we know that, 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 that just because we're saving a large number of animals, there's still a, a, a group of animals that we could be saving mm-hmm. um, that we currently are not. And um, while we know every animal cannot be saved, there's animals that are too injured, terminal animals, um, animals that are not safe to be let out back into the public. Uh, there are still animals that um, can be adopted and may have maybe a small behavior issue. Some don't have a behavior issue at all. Um, How temporary or permanent is a behavioral issue for a dog? Well, behavior is can be managed. It's just like a person. It's 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 um, can be managed. You know, you um, you based on the circumstance we put the animal in. So I think the vast majority of issues can be managed pretty easily. It's just a matter of the information given to the the the, the family, or even the you know some animals are not really good with families they may be better for a single person um but yeah it just depends on the circumstance but i think the part of your question from earlier the future is also is shelters like ours providing uh new owners with better information to assist in the the management of that animal if if there is an issue that needs to be dealt with regularly okay just a few more questions. Oh, by uh, all means. What is the biggest obstacle you guys face? Funding. Our biggest obstacle is funding because, you know, when you when you've been in my, been in the business as long as I've been there, I know, you know, I've been all over the country, uh, whether it's uh, training or conferences or. Um, being asked to come and conduct different uh, trainings for staff. I've learned a lot of, um, of all, I know a lot of the programs that are out there. But just because the program is there doesn't mean we can afford it. And so um, that's the biggest thing is being able, because we still have quite a few programs that I feel like we can in- implement here. And the, the only obstacle really is uh, is funding. Why don't you think you are as funded as you need to be or would like to be? I think our I think what we do is undervalued. I think it's undervalued by um, by you know by the city. By um, uh, I think I think a lot of it too is that it's undervalued because of our high life saving percentage. People look and say, oh, they have the problem under control. It used to be you used to only save like. Two percent of the animals. Now you save over eighty. I think people get have the impression that, in some cases, that we've turned the tide and they they don't need to be involved. But we always need more people to be involved. I would say, um, as someone who is not actively involved with this or anything to do with this, that I'm feeling a bit like I undervalued this. Mm, okay. I feel, and maybe I have more liberty to say this than you. You can't talk. Sh- I can. You can curse on this. You can't talk shit and say uh, and say um, 
the, the that the public undervalues you. Right. But I could say it because right. I don't work here. <laughs> but I, I would say that I, 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 the general consensus t- in my head is that the public undervalues what you guys are doing. And I, I would even put myself in that category. Uh, if I would have never came and seen this, right. I would never know. I don't even. I right. never. I've never even seen this building before. Right. Right. So it, it's just uh, messaging and I, letting the public know. It. You. You're right. This and ability, hopefully, I could get to get yeah, no, get the message out. I'm your just, program is very important. Um, programs like yours as well. I think you're right. Visibility, and that's that. For animal control is always, and and animal welfare is always a an issue um, unless you have one of those big brand names like SPCA or Humane Society mm-hmm. um, because you know I, I'd venture to say you probably have never seen one of our animal control officer vehicles out and yeah I before I became an animal control officer I never even I what n- color I is one does it look like a cop car no no it it's 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 actually looks like more like a you ever seen a Mills on Wheels truck yeah it looks like that but it's a little bit bigger because you know, there's compartments to carry the animals. Yeah, you got to put animals in there. I so, <laughs> so, um, so yeah. But Mills on Wheels is I, I saw those way more than mm-hmm. I saw animal uh, control vehicles, and so I think visibility, PR, and you, and you are right. We are, you know, this year one of our 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 goals is to have more stories in the media that bring attention to our organization. Um, the the Philadelphia No Kill Coalition will help too, because that's a more high profile uh, name, a more high profile organization that will bring attention to to us as well. So, yeah, that I think I think funding, um, visibility, um, and being undervalued. I think those are are three big obstacles. Okay, um, what do you think the future of pet ownership is? Um, go. My thoughts and ideas, um, I, I'm a little on the conspiracy theory uh, okay. side of things with what I think about the oh, future of pets. Okay. And I'll tell you what um, I foresee as an issue going forward. Okay. Um, we There is uh, – I'm trying to figure out how to say this. There is a movement uh-huh. of um, people getting a little softer. And uh, like in just the general consensus, okay. I've only been alive 22 years, but I think the world, you can notice that everyone's getting a little more sensitive in Get the world. Get a little bit more sensitive. Yeah, I would agree with in that. In the world. Yes. And I, I foresee, um, if I had to guess moving forward, I'm talking 2,100. So you got to think about how far that is. Right, right. No, I, I, I agree. And that, that's a great that is a great time. I mean, it's it's what eighty more years from now, but so eighty years. Are, I, I foresee people being more sensitive, and it, I know the that culture ebbs and flows. Yes, but if I had to give you my idea, I think that um, the way animals are viewed um, is going to shift, and someone who has an animal in the house, mm-hmm. it could be seen as controversial in the future. How come? What, what in a think? sense of uh, captivity and the way you, you treat oh. your dogs and, and treat oh. your animals, people are going to see it in a sense of, oh, like, I feel like you're going to be under a microscope the way you treat your animal. Oh, my goodness. You're getting me into my conspiracy theories because I, 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 I don't disagree with you. Really? Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So talk to me a little bit about your ideas. So, well, I, you know, I, I think you're right. I think there is um, a... a 
Um, and you know, it's always been there. I'm very surprised that you're even <laughs> anywhere near my thoughts on this. <laughs> well, I used to. Well, I to tell you, I used to be a paranormal investigator. And so, what? <laughs> so and that's a whole nother. Okay. Back in the. Back in the We're, 90s. I'm going I'm to hear some of that after this, but explain, explain. No, I want to talk to me about pets in the future. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's. I, I think you're right. I think that um, the some of the idea is to allow animals to roam as free as possible, um, and yeah, that that it will be seen as captivity as we become um, more or less. In a, I feel like the you know a society has to have you have to you must be responsible and you have to have some framework for the society to be to prosper and I do feel like that at some point um, there and it already is happening to some degree in certain, some cities um, that animals are going to be left to run free and what happens there is then people who see other animals running free realize, okay, I could just let my animal run loose because, I mean, nobody, everybody's letting their dog run loose in this neighborhood, so I can do the same thing. And so we already see it, um, and that's why it's very important to, to, license, to have animals licensed so that when they do get picked up or, or get attacked by another animal, there is record that the animal has a rabies vaccination, who the owner is. It just streamlines everything and gets that animal where it needs to be, um, you know, the difference between an animal who has ID and the diff- uh, and the one who doesn't is is vast. Uh, an injured animal that comes into our shelter with no ID is assumed stray with no owner, mm-hmm. and one that has ID we know it has an owner. So we're probably going to handle that animal a little differently, knowing that if we do enough to stabilize the animal, then we have somebody to give the animal back to. Whereas an animal who has no owner or has no ID is really assumed to be stray and a lot of times will get, you know, euthanized. What? I'm going to try to, uh, the next question. What do you think um, pet ownership, what do you think the world would look like? Okay. If programs like yours were ceased to be funded in the year 2050. What would the year 2100 look like? I think that the population would, ri- would rise dramatically of animals. And we would have, if we if we didn't get funding, you know, what happens when an animal, a dog is chasing someone or actually attacks someone? Um, who's going to respond when there's, you, all you would have is police. And then the police remedi- remedy for a um uh, for a vicious dog is the only one they can have because the only tools they have are their weapons. And so they would have to shoot the dog. And with us, we can go out with the most vicious dog out there and bring that dog in without it being injured or, um, yeah, or being shot and bring it in here and house it here safely. So, um, I think over, over the course of 50 years, I think there would be dogs running through the streets. It would, yeah, it would, it would be, the dogs would, I mean... Yeah, I think it would change lifestyles. I think your yeah, life would be different. There'd be, you'd have to worry about... Oh, you're saying if we if we stop today and 50, and just let it run for 50 years without... Yeah. Oh, if, if that were the case, 
I mean, raining cats and dogs would be an understatement. It would be. <clears throat> now, I don't. There would be areas of the city that would be totally dog occupied that people would not be able to walk down the street. You would literally have to walk. And and I'm if that were to happen, people who walk, which this is a very um, walkable city right now, you'd have to walk down the street with some type of stick or club on a daily basis, <laughs> easily, if not something even more dramatic. And you'd have people taking the law in their own hands um, when it came to vicious dogs, um, which, you know, would mean would mean more chaos um, when there's a lot of other issues that um, that that the city should be focused on um, and having us keeps that from ha- keeps that from happening and I also think it would be a dramatic rise in rabies which most people don't realize that once if an animal has rabies and you get bit that's how they transfer the rabies once you get the symptoms, it's incurable. So a hundred well, ninety nine point nine percent of the people die when they get the symptoms of rabies. Mm-hmm. Um, in order for you, the there has been some treatments on a couple of people that have survived in the last still ninety nine point nine. I'm not playing those odds. No, those are not good <laughs> odds. Those are not good odds. You 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 will not survive rabies. And so yeah, with with because. With domestic animals, an uncontrolled birth of domestic animals, they're going to naturally interact with the wildlife, mm-hmm. and so you'd have you'd have a you'd have wild dogs all over the streets and unsocial cats everywhere, and um, a lot more rabies, rabies, <laughs> and chaos to in general. I mean, how do how do kids walk to school? In the morning. How, how do you drive anywhere? How do you drive anywhere without running over a dog? And imagine you and your family driving and you have to swerve out of the way of a dog. Do you swerve out of the way of the dog? Do you hit this other car? I mean, they, they would And be, uh, if, you, if there's this many dogs, it seems like you're going to swerve out of the way of a dog into another dog. Yeah, into another dog. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that would be BS. And there'd be dog fights, indiscriminate. I mean, it, it would... It would look like something... You couldn't live. The no. world would be almost unlit. Society as we know it would not be the same yeah. if you guys stopped doing what you do. No, yeah, we are. We are the layer between uh, people and animals that when it crosses over... Because a person shouldn't encounter a, a, an animal unless they choose to. And um, you would have no choice in, the, <laughs> in that world. Um, you'd have to... You'd almost have to have dogs... That are your friends that walk you <laughs> to and from. <laughs> All right, like you guys, uh, you guys yeah. should be branding yourselves as the difference between dystopia and, <laughs> and, and the society yeah. we live in today. Yeah, no, no, that's a great point. Why don't people understand that? I never thought of it like that. If you guys all were like, we quit. Yeah, what? Are, you should do that. I don't, I'm not going to get you in any trouble. No, you guys no, no, should no. do a walkout. We just be like, all right, out. don't you don't want to fund us? Check it out. <laughs> just put us put the world at bay for a day. Get we're, every get every one of these in the world, right? To just be like, all just right, we're gonna strike. A day without it, we're gonna off. strike for one day, <laughs> and then they will fund us forever. We, you know, <laughs> you know the thing about it is, you that guys are literally our, the difference between <laughs> K. I am legend. <laughs> And, that, yeah, you know that's and what the I kind of we walked into today. 
I can say this, you know, myself, we 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 take our I wanted to come in here and not think any of these things at all. Instead (laughs) I came in here, I got turned around. I'm gonna go home and pet this dog I don't like. Yes. Please do. I mean (laughs) it it actually is a is um, I was reading an article recently that it petting a dog uh, releases certain endorphins and makes you a happier it's a more pleasant I, I'm not pleasant <laughs> you don't think I'm very pleasant sir I think I'm plenty pleasant <laughs> you don't need a dog to be pleasant <laughs> oh, oh my gosh so awesome. yeah. alright what yeah. is the future of animal control in the year 2100 consider technologies yes consider consider everything yeah, I think technology is a major part of the uh, of, of two thousand one hundred because I think that um, instead of always sending an officer out, there'll be a lot more. Um, it, I'm calling it FaceTime, but it, it'll be a lot more monitoring of areas. Um, so you see a specific dog, you're able to see whose dog that is based on the technology and call the owner. FaceTime the owner and say, hey, Mrs. Johnson, your dog is out. He's on 15th Street. Do you want us to send an officer out to pick it up? Or are you able to leave work right now and get it? And if if she's not or he's not able to, then we pick it up, charge them a fee, or we pick it up, take it back to the house, leave them a fee, uh, you know, a bill for, for that service. <clears throat> um, I also feel like inside the shelter, there'll be... Um, They'll be uh, they'll be used for technology in terms of right now. Most shelters, the majority of decisions are made by the actual human, but a lot of these decisions are ones that um, a computer could make based on how the animal was brought in, who brought it in, the type of animal, the condition of the animal on on intake, and the computer could make a lot of those decisions. Contact the necessary, like I showed you that room that that where our counselors actually call our different groups and email different groups to say, we have this animal um, here, um, would you like to take them? Well, the, com- the computers could make a lot of those decisions for us, um, as well as uh, scheduling of staff. Like for instance, today you have, you were supposed to have five kennel workers, but you only have three. The computer could make that whole Right now, what we do is we say, okay, let's go here, there, point to different, yeah, could actually say, okay, this is your best. Yeah, I I feel like um, technology could help on all fronts, especially, and also medicine, because you guys are doing so many surgeries. You guys probably deal with so many drug companies. Yes. I I never knew how much went into this. Yeah, I I think there's going to be, I mean, we already have the wealthy um, or people who can afford it already do things like cloning their dogs. Um, so I'm sure, and, and, and the, the industry of animal welfare, I mean, there's dog dermatologists, dog plastic surgeons. Um, dog plastic surgeons? Yes, yes. Is that something you see? Oh, yes. It, what do they do? They, it, you know, for different, like, de- deformities or different... What deformities? You know? It's a dog. Why'd you buy a dog if you don't like the way it looks? Well, or, or, or if a dog gets injured and they... If your dog's injured and it loses some of its ear, it doesn't have... That's what happens. And I'll tell you another another uh, uh, part of that... See, is, this is where they, the animal people lose me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Plastic surgery for your dog? What? In, what? 
what 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 get what is even an example of that? Like fixing a pit bull's ears after it got fixing bit off. Fixing a pit bull's ears, but you know, there's different things like you know tumors, oh, and, okay. you know, things okay. like that. Where you know, and but I also think in two um, in uh, in two thousand one hundred that it will be vanity based too. In a lot of cases, I mean, right now we already have designer dogs. Mm-hmm. People want dogs to look a certain way. Um, so I could see plastic surgery for... You just glossed over people are cloning dogs. What is your, <laughs> what is your title here? You're the executive director? Yes. This I'm is your shebang bag. You run this. <laughs> yes, I do. Okay. And you know about cloning dogs? Yes. Who's cloning dogs? I knew Dolly the Sheep and stuff, but I thought that was like people Barbara did Streisand has cloned her dog three times. In, she's got three of her own dog? She, every time one what dies, is the point? She... What is the point? <laughs> you have to ask her when I don't have access to her. This is why I don't understand. Why? Just get a new one. Get a cat. Well, get a gecko. You're that bored? You cloned your dog? I guess I guess if you have it, do it. You know, well, it, I guess is that you can be like, that's a big flex. That is a really big flex to do people. Well, as a practical matter, which as a shelter, as running an open intake shelter, I always want people to bring, to come here to get their dog. But in a practical way, you could argue that because the dog's personality fit that person and people and dogs are, um, are you know, people are, uh, dogs are just like You're people. not going to sell me on cloning dogs. <laughs> you're not going to, you're never going to do it. I told you, <laughs> you're never going to sell me on cloning dogs. So yeah, dogs. I mean, they're. Uh, no, but I, think, I, I but, here's what I would say if someone yes. says it. I'd say no. I'd say, <laughs> I'd say, yeah, the only reason to clone your dog is to talk about it. Is to have people over for Christmas and be like, oh, you got weird dog twins? Yeah. Because all dogs, in my opinion, yes. all dogs kind of look the same. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't want to be speciesist. <laughs> but, but if you walk in and four of the same dog look at me and they're like right, blinking right, at me right, all right. at the same time... You're just doing that to, to tell people and make them uncomfortable. Well, yeah. That's like posting well, on Facebook. That's what you're doing. So, so, I, so I think cloning, and I also think uh, the average life expectancy of a dog will probably, will probably increase dramatically, especially as science catches up with and becomes more, as, more invested. You know, as, oh, I never even thought about eternal dogs. Not even eternal, but like 50. Who needs a 50? Oh. Right. I, I'm, that's... This is going to sound morbid, yeah. and it's going to sound real morbid. Right. I think the the best thing about uh, about life is death, a eh? because that's the only reason you're yeah. living. So that's my whole thing with immortality. I don't want to be mortal. Uh, if if the option never gets to me, I don't want it. But um, to make it's kind of nice that pets die yeah. because then you can get a new one, and it kind of trains people on death. It's not yeah. like a kid. You never want your kid to die, and you're like, oh, I can just get another one. But you no, don't. That's a great point. Yeah. The, uh, pets aren't biological. I can have a pet when I'm 70, 60, and it would be nice because you get to kind of live its lifestyle, right. life cycle with it. Yeah. And then ride the ride again. Right, because, yeah, you're right. Cause and I think it, that's unique to pets, and one of the selling points is that it teaches you about life yes. and death, and it makes you a better person. And that's the argument I make towards pets. Because I don't agree with your unconditional love sentiment. If I had, <laughs> if I had to, if I have to, and I, I it would not, well, it just would, do the best you can. That's it all be, we ask. It would be against my nature to agree with it uh, because I don't like the dog I live with, and it loves me. Uh-huh. And it's, it's it's oh, I guess that is unconditional love. That is unconditional. But who love, who yeah. needs that? 
seems cheap. Well. That's why I like cats. That's why I like cats. They'll come because up, they come and you know do their yeah. thing. And, well, what they'll be like? What's up? Yeah, I remember you. And well, they, <laughs> they get on with their day. I like that. Well, and, and and I think different. I think they're you know because there are dogs that are kind of are similar to cats too. In that see, way. cats are getting pushed to the side. We've only talked about dogs. I I'm a cat person. I haven't even th- thought about cats. What about the future of cats? The future of cats. Um, the cat, cats actually are going to probably dictate their own future. Um, <laughs> no, um, oh, I, I, because they're smarter. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that. Yeah, yeah they, they're pretty smart and resourceful. And they're smaller, so they take less resource, too. Mm-hmm. So I do feel like with the programs that we have, there'll be, quite, there'll be far less cats um, in 21. 2100? 2100, yeah, in, in 2100. Because um, there are some very robust programs um, well, I guess there'll be, I guess I can say there'll be a stable outdoor cat population. Um, and, um, but I do think we'll see le- far less cats with the, with the, um, with the trap neuter return programs. Of, um, and, and right now, as you and I are talking, there are any number of residents that are trapping cats and going to bring them here into different um, uh, clinics to get them sterilized and take them back out. So there's a lot of heavy duty work, heavy lifting being done when it comes to, um, to cats. So I think this is kind of like, I never even thought about it in this light, but it's literally like you're, you're holding together society and they're like keeping the divide there. Yes. And, and literally I I just never considered it. I would agree with that. And people think society's done, but you guys are managing a part of it. And right. containing it and planning for the future. Yeah. 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 I, I also feel like that there'll be, especially with cats, I feel like because we are losing a lot of the um, the uh, larger cats out of, um, that are that are becoming extinct, I do feel like that there will, will be a, a place for larger cats, maybe not the size of a lion or a tiger, but um, larger cats that become domesticated hmm, animals, and um, I mean maybe some hybrid between. I mean, there's all kinds of cats: lynx, bobcats, uh, something a cat that's the size of a dog. Okay, uh, I would like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't. Mind, I'd love to have a bobcat <laughs> that's bred to be more docile. But is yeah, I mean. I, I think that's I think that's definitely a possibility. That's a really cool point. I've never even I've never even thought of that. Yeah. Um. But now we've we've talked about the future. Yes. I have to go back to the paranormal. <laughs> <laughs> I have to ask about that because the the, you might have just changed the whole episode from pets to pests and ghosts, pets and ghosts. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about anything you you have to say about that. <laughs> I, I want to know how you how'd you do Anything. how'd you get the job? Who paid you? What what is it? What so, what did you do? And do you still believe in ghosts? Oh well, I, I, the, the, go. Uh, I, no, I'll let, let you gather how, your thoughts. It seems me, like you've been. Ex- <laughs> I don't know if you didn't yeah, want to talk mean, about this or if it's something you've okay, been waiting so, to talk I, about. I, I, <laughs> so. I, I do feel like the our planet and the universe itself is full of mysteries that we are, don't even understand. I do feel like a lot of ancient in ancient times where people 
could observe the world around them internally and externally. I think that they were aware of a lot of things that of the circle of life. You talked a little bit earlier about, um, about, uh, you know, death being a part of life and it is, it's, and it's a cycle of, you know, death, um, life to death. And, and some, um, believe that you live again and you, it, the, mm-hmm. the circle continues. Yeah. And when you look at our universe and how it's constructed, it, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that, but, you know, um, I definitely, you know, it, I, I started off in the paranormal investigations um, with a group um, called MUFON. It's the Mutual UFO Network. And um, I wasn't there for that long at all. Um, it's in it's, a, it's in, in Seguin, Texas. Um, but um, what what I was looking at and, and, and even did some of my own just um, what do you call it the independent work was is you know the existence of alien life um, and um, you know definitely paranormal things like uh, like the difference between a ghost and a spirit um, mm-hmm. and um, the the where they actually reside there there's many there's a lot of different theories on so for instance have I had an experience where I felt like there was a ghost present? Yes. Okay. I, um, I have, I've, I've taken, I took a picture one time and in the background there was like this blue hooded figure that was like standing right over me. Um, and it was, it was like a reflect. I don't know if it was a reflection in the window or if it was actually real. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd go out and interview people, and um, I can tell you that the people I interviewed were very convinced that they had had a real experience, either with an alien or with a with a with a ghost. No, this is um, all is I'm all, all, all incredibly interested in all this, and um, uh, it's it, it does have to do with like life and death, the origins, what are we, that kind of existential stuff. I, I'm incredibly interested in it, and I I think I know why you think um like about the rebirth and stuff mm-hmm. the and the evidence and stuff like how plants die and the transfer of energy and uh decomposing and then growing into like a tree there is still that life and stuff like that i can get behind and i don't know what it is with ghosts that i can't get behind <laughs> I but I, but I, I must say i'm a skeptic with all things I'm a, I'm a right. hardcore skeptic of all things, <laughs> but even even when it comes to spirits and religion and stuff, mm-hmm. I don't really subscribe to any religion or right. You know, I don't either. Um, I think, but I, I I do appreciate someone like you who has an open mind enough to investigate something like that. What what would what what is one of the best ghost or alien stories you've ever heard or witnessed or talked to? And to anyone listening, he is he is in deep thought. Well, in deep thought, Vincent. <laughs> so, a friend of me and a friend were. Uh, this is when it's right before I, I started college, and we would we we were working out um, at our old uh, junior high school, getting ready because he was going to one college, I was going to another. And this ship came right above us. 
and it was so close. I mean, and it was it was just there, like um, it was it was it was full of lights, and it was. <laughs> I hate to say it, it was circular. <laughs> And it it, 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 it it hovered above us and then it shot up boom. And I and and I remember the last time he and I saw each other was at our class reunion and we were talking about it. And it was almost hard to believe, but when I you know, as as part of my some of my investigations and talking to people and looking at the videos and even now you can see where the military they're encountering aircraft all the time that's, that are doing things and the reactions of the pilots they're like yelling like oh my god it mean like so you know and and obviously we don't know where they come from if they come from if they're actually aliens if they come from another dimension if they're something here on planet earth that we just are you know the military secret um, but there's quite a few I, I've, see, I've seen some of those things, and uh, they're unexplainable right I mean it's like where did they come from and, and I did see that I think the Trump administration, uh, whatever you think politically, yeah, yeah, um, they, I saw they released some stuff. You know what? I guess, and my, I guess the one thing that makes me think that it is government, some of those aircraft, which it's hard to believe that. I, I mean, because besides the Nazis, nobody was m- more ahead of the United. I mean, like the United States is ahead of everybody, but. Um, there was plenty of experimental aircraft during World War II. Like, in the Nazis? Yeah. Like, you ever heard of the Foo Fighters? I know. The band? No, 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 no. They got that name from... So the Nazis figured out how to take a... Um, and what was it? It was an, an, a a chemical that turned into a globe. And the globe would, would go right towards... Um, like, a fighter plane. I mean, they called the Foo Fighters. Uh, yeah, look it up. It's, it, so... <sighs> And and yeah, the that that the they they had a lot of um, a lot of uh, a lot of aircraft that was before their time, you know. Um, but I guess my point is that um, I guess it's possible that some of these aircrafts are just experimental ones. But you know, when you see when a whole city sees something, and um, you you it's undeniable and no one else has they've never seen it before like los angeles recently had something detroit recently had something um and the one in detroit i think blacked out the whole city for a certain amount of time um it no it caused an earthquake and uh it was it was flying over and it the the earthquake it was and it was on mainstream news it wasn't anything and then when you look at also that even in ancient times people described certain things that were mm-hmm. Um, and and even in medieval times, they drew pictures of things in the air with lights on them, and you wonder how would they? Yeah, how or, would they? Orville Wright and right, yeah. like how would they know even to describe it that way? And so, um, you know, you look at some of the early Indian, um, and I, you know, it's it, it's it is the it's it's escaping me what what it was called, but um, yeah, there there's. There's vivid descriptions of air battles, you know, of, of aircraft fighting each other um, in the air. I mean, and so uh, I, 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 I'm listening. You know, I, what I mean, it's 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 a big universe out there. And it is. There is there is 
it, if you subscribe to the theory of a multiverse or a universe mm-hmm. or how big a galaxy is, the idea of even the moon and how goddamn far that is is stuff that people have a hard time handling. So I, I don't, I never am cavalier with throwing away thoughts and opinions. So I, I'll ask you one yes. last question. Yes, yes. What is the future for understanding um, the un- the things that we're not understanding now in ghosts and the aliens? The, I, I think... In um, the year 2100. In 2100, I feel like... That what what I fear is that we are going to move further away from understanding um, the essence of our spirit of our of our the power of our mind. I mean, if if we use only like seven percent of our brain, just think about now what I well, I, and I guess the I guess I have two different opinions. One is that that in twenty one hundred and two thousand one hundred we will have unlocked the potential of our brain. There will be some um, some chemical or some form of doing that. And if that happens, I think the, the I think humanity divides again between the people who can actually take advantage of that because that would turn you into something that would look like a god. Yes. That, that really would. I mean, because if we're made up of star particles which we are like the stars came together mm-hmm. and piece by piece and that's we are like a manifestation of that then imagine what the possibility i mean we live in a a, a universe that we're told is ever expanding what is it expanding into like what space is it expanding into um <clears throat> so i think that is kind of a metaphor for the potential of humans um and i do feel like that in 2100 because of science, technology, robots, I mean, all of these different things that are right now um, seem um, seem a little bit distant in the future. They are actually being, um, they are actually, you know, very present for a lot of scientists now. Um, I think we will think have we gone will have to, have Mars, to Mars, and we may have, may have may I think 2100, I think we probably will have colonized another, another, another you know, we, have to, we will probably have... Probably have at least started the process of, or be well on the way to terraforming another planet um, and starting to colonize there. And mainly for resources. And mainly for resources. Mainly for resources. I told you that interview gets wild. Do you see why I love that audio now? I got a couple things to say before before this episode wraps up because uh, I'll, I'll let it end because this is way too long. I didn't. I never wanted any of these episodes to be this long. Um, a few weeks after this interview took place, I got fired from the job I was talking about in the episode um, as an account executive after disclosing my mental illness and leaving early for a doctor's appointment. A few weeks after this interview, Vincent Medley, who I had interviewed, was also fired from his job at Act Philly. So, uh, I don't know why that's interesting. I just think it is, that we were both fired from our jobs a couple weeks after this took place, and, like, our lives were both uprooted. 
And in this in this interview, we're the epitome of a relaxed and having a great time. And that whole episode was probably not the tone you expected around a pets episode because um, I didn't talk about my childhood pets named the Mr. Kitty and the Littlest Kitty who are currently alive and like 17 and 18 years old. We didn't talk about fetch going on long walks or the logistics of pet ownership because in the grand scheme of things, that's not what I care about. I don't think that's what matters when you're talking about the story of pets. The tale of pets to me revolves around the changing minds and genetics of animals and humans that they've altered each other to coexist with. The domestication of horses, dogs, cats, birds, lizards, whatever, is a massively underrated part of being alive. The agreed coexistence between species beyond hunter and prey relationship. The ability to have empathy outside of humanity and for an animal. For me, that's the cool and interesting part of pets. I don't think... I don't care about anyone's dog. I don't, I don't want to hear about it. I, I, I genuinely, they're boring. It's boring to hear about. Anytime anyone is talking about their pet, it's like, tell, it's like telling a story about your dreams. It's like only you care. It's like more boring than talking about your kid. But whatever. I, 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 there are good things to say about pets. Um, when I have anxiety attacks, my roommate's dog will run right up to me and try to hug me and lick my face, which I don't like. I don't like having my face licks. Uh, but I, I see the value. I see the genuine value that pets and the companionship of pets comes with provides. But that being said, uh, having a pet is absolutely a luxury. Um, it has no intrinsic purpose. I don't think anyone who has a pet has it directly make their life any better or worse. I think past a couple years and past like Instagram and like just posting your dog, which is half the reason people have dogs nowadays is that, um, it just becomes another thing that you have to do. And another like chore. If you're not, if if, I feel like that's how it is for most people. Um, and there's way more beneficial ways to spend your time and money than to buy a pet. Um, that being said, everyone has pets, something like 70%, we said. So, so people obviously see the good in it. And I, I see the good in it. I will have a cat by, by the time I die, <laughs> I will get another cat. Some extra things that we did not discuss during this episode. Um, robot pets will absolutely exist and they'll probably be real badass. And I think the pet game is going to get out of control. It's going to get wild with altering genetics. Some people already have pet alligators and shit. And those things are like tiny little dinosaurs. Um, if you let your dog kiss you on the mouth, you're a disgusting person. Um, and that, that, that'll tr- be true in the future, the past, present. If, if you let your dog lick your mouth, you're a pig. Um, I think animals are becoming increasingly more intelligent and, uh, humans don't really consider active evolution because evolution is this long process that takes years and years and years, but it is something that like, genuinely is happening with our bodies and it's also happening in the animal community for example by 2100 i think it's possible that human beings will be born without wisdom teeth and appendixes or some other useless bodily function that we are growing out of and have no use for so at the same time uh, animals are going to follow suit they will get more used to um a world that has become more and more humanized rather than just for living. Um, and that is it for this incredibly long pets episode. Special thank you to ACCT, to the ACCT, Act Philly. Um, I was so happy that they had me and let me do this. 
Um, props to Vincent Medley, no matter where he is. I don't know what happened to him. I can't get in contact with him. And if, if you know Vincent Medley, send this to him. Um, and then the current executive director of Act Philly, Susan Russell, who is kind enough to tell me that I could put this out still. Um, and everyone who works at Act Philly or volunteers, if there's one thing that you could take away from this episode, it's that places like animal control, like shit you don't think about every day is helping you. And it's making your life better. These are things that are, they are the difference between dogs running through the streets, stray dogs with no chips biting you. Like, uh, you got to respect that. Donate to whoever makes sure you're not getting attacked by dogs. If you want a pet, go get a pet from a shelter. Don't buy an expensive pet. Um, and that is all. Um, so no matter what your time period is, help alleviate all those issues. Um, this episode's music was by Tierra Wack, my good friend Ben Volano, Bonnie Vare, and MGT. MGMT. So, yeah. yeah, yeah.